Hey firecrackers, it's Naomi and welcome to the firecracker department. Well, I have to say, for those of you who don't know, every Sunday on Zoom, we have a firecracker department brunch for the community. And that's a time that anybody can just jump in. The information is all in our Facebook group. Uh, and it's a chance for us to connect with firecrackers from around the world. And I love Sundays. I get to chat with folks that I never would have chatted with before. And then also I get to hear what people are creating and we share blocks that we're having and things that we're like, oh, how do I get to the next stage of this creative project? And somebody in the brunch will be like, oh, I know a person. And it's just fantastic. It's just really satisfying to see artists coming together to support each other and make shit happen. We're making shit happen and I love it. So for those of you who are joining regularly on the Sunday brunch, thank you so much. That's Michelle, that's Laura, that's Anita, that's Alyssa, that's Anna Gustafson, who's also the head of our comedy department. That's Joanne Boland, who actually birthed this whole brunch idea. That's Shell, that's Amelia. And to all the new folks that are joining regularly, I love that you jump in. It's so great to meet you. Please come back, please share your ideas, please join the community. Okay, the guest today is writer, actor, comedian, Jerrica Long. And I just love chatting with her because, you know, one of the things with Firecrack Department is we not only celebrate people that have huge resumes, but we also celebrate people that are just starting their resumes. And Jerrica is definitely a starter, but man, she's working hard. Uh, she calls herself a recovering Hollywood assistant. And she has worked on some of my favorite shows like Veep, Blackish, Diary of a Future President, Love and Hip Hop, New York, Being Mary Jane, and we talk about all of them. And this is such a fun conversation because, because she's so fresh and she's so like just getting into the rhythm of her career, it's really great to hear the lessons that she's learning. So we kind of broke it down to each different writer's room and the lessons that she took away. And um, I just love meeting new folks. I think we connected online through maybe one of the other Facebook groups I'm part of. And so out of nowhere, I got to talk to Jerrica Long and she is going places. I can't wait to see where she goes. She recently co-wrote an episode of Diary of a Future President for Disney Plus and she's got so much going on. Like you'll hear it in her voice. She's like, let's get at it. She's so excited and driven and ambitious and uh, I love it. And she recently made Hoo Ha Ha's 35 LGBTQ Creators We Love list. I mean, she's funny and she's smart and it feels like we've known each other forever in this discussion. I can't wait to see her running her own writer's room because I know it's just going to be amazing. You may have seen her recent guest column in The Hollywood Reporter and if you didn't, it's called How to Broach Race When You're Not the Most Powerful Person in the Writer's Room. And we are going to share a link with it in our show notes so you can get even more Jerrica in your life. Uh, you're welcome. We get into her journey in stand-up so far and actually coming out on stage. Yeah, feeling like a token, diversity hiring, hearing your jokes on TV for the first time, and so much more. I truly enjoyed my chat with Jerrica, and I know you will too. I can't wait to hang out with her in person too. She's just one of those people you're like, oh, we're gonna get along. For now though, let's hang out with her on this podcast. Here she is, Jerrica Long. an amazing um, career path so far and learning path so far. I'd love to hear the lessons that you've taken away from each room that you've been in. Uh, well, Veep, I, I, I learned that I was funny 
Um, yeah. We were able to pitch jokes as like, you know, as a writer's fee, I was able to pitch jokes and, and they got in wow. and it just wasn't one joke. It was multiple jokes. And wow. I, just, I don't know. I learned I could hang with like, you know, the white men in comedy and just thinking that these are Emmy nominated. Like these are the yeah. best writers of the best. Um, and I was able to pitch jokes and, and they got in. And, I and that you share a voice like, on some level. Yeah. I, not, yeah. Yes. I share a voice and I, I can write. I can write at that level. Yeah. Like I can, I, I can try. I can, you know, I can meet those standards. Um, Do you remember that amazing. joke? Like I, I remember the joke on, like, cause I'm, my background is Second City, Toronto. Mm -hmm. So, and I remember the moment on stage that I went, oh, I got this. Like I felt like, <laughs> you remember the thing for Veep? No, I don't. Cause you honestly, like, I would just pitch so many. Yeah. Yeah. I would just go through and just try to write as many and did, as I can. Did you stop being precious about it? Like, were you, or were you ever? Oh my God. Very precious. Especially in the beginning. Cause like the writers are so good and they're so funny and they're so fast at writing. And I'm just like taking my time and just waking up extra early and looking at the scene and trying to hope it doesn't get rewritten so I can keep my jokes in. Like, yeah. Yeah. Okay. So that's a great lesson though, because I think there is a division that if I was in a room full of people that I, I don't know, like I didn't instantly re relate to whether it's because we're different genders or with different nationalities. So that was a great thing for you to take away mm -hmm. to know that you have, you got, you're on equal ground. They might have yeah. maybe an award or two more than you, but right. so be it. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. They have Emmys and I have jokes. It's great. Yeah. <laughs> What about, uh, I mean, what do you want more? You want, you know, you have to dust an Emmy. You don't have to dust off jokes. You got them going on. <laughs> That's true. Uh, what about Blackish? What did you take away from that? So on Blackish, I was just an office PA, but I will say this. I learned what it means to be nice. Like I, 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 I got in a really bad car accident and I was an office PA and you obviously need your car. And, but the showrunner at the time was getting rid of his, like his assistant had just moved on or whatever. And I think she got staff somewhere else and he waited i'm blanking on his name right now which is crazy oh jonathan, jonathan groff oh nice jonathan job he waited for me um to get better because i had like a i had like a, a walking concussion and like that had to go off and i had to get a doctor it was a whole thing and he waited to interview me he waited to, like on his decision to interview me i didn't get the job but it just meant so much like it just it really meant the world to me um, and then I met him last year at a Writers Guild event and I told him and he was just like, so happy. And I was like, oh, you know, you know yeah. how much it meant. But yeah. Yeah. And that also like, it sort of reflects like how you want to run your rooms when you have your mm -hmm. own room too. Like, cause I think he probably had the, you never know card. Mm -hmm. um, yeah. I love that. Kindness always wins in those kind mm -hmm. of things. And that just the belief, like, so that A, you can put your health first and not go, you know what? I have a walking concussion. Right. Well, I'm right. Go. Like that's the least <laughs> mm -hmm. important thing at that point. All right. What about uh, love and hip hop? What did you get from that? Oh gosh. What did I get from love and hip hop? That I didn't want to work in reality TV. <laughs> like, yeah, but even no, sometimes that's the lesson, right? That you're like, <laughs> yes. well, now I know what I don't want. Yeah. And not only that, like I want to be a part of something that I'm, I want to put my name on. And I, I granted, I got a check. I learned a lot. I met a lot of great people, but it was just like, at the end of the day, like, what am I, how am I adding to the bigger conversation? What am I doing? How am I giving impact? That yeah. was the impact I wanted to give. No. And I, I just think, I mean, this is such a great way into your life because I do think whether it's positive or negative, we're all learning something as yep. we go. So uh, what about um, being Mary Jane? Oh my gosh. Being Mary Jane I think was the best show for me just because I remember when I lived in New York before I moved to LA, 
I had like waited in line because they were premiering the first episode at like a film festival I was going to and I waited like two hours in line to go see Being Mary Jane and like it was just like a full circle moment and then like I moved from Office PA from Blackish to Being Mary Jane as a writer's assistant which is a huge jump and it's super mm. hard to do and the showrunner was a black woman and she took a chance on me and like it, it just it, it ugh, take chances like do what you have to do like I didn't know anything about being a writer's assistant but I came in there and I did my job and I did my job to my best of my ability and it, uh, yeah take chances. Yeah, that's interesting though like you know you're now moving into positions of power too right so you're in the position where you're like who or who's my team who do I want right. in my corner and I think like seeing people that are in positions of power that are taking chances I so admire but but that's, I think that's gut related. I think that's like folks mm. going, you know what, Jerrica's, I get a good sense if I'm going to go with my gut, mm. you know, because mm -hmm. it's hard to take chances when you want your show to be everything. Yeah. 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 And the pressure of running a show is just ginormous. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Did you watch over like in the, in the rooms and in your different positions? Did you watch over this and ever go, oh, this looks like too much? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's a lot. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. I was like, oh, do I want to be a showrunner? Yeah. Ooh, this is kind of sticky. What was the part that you were like, I don't want to be part of that? Listen, I'm going to be so honest with you. I, my last show was Carol's Second Act and you yeah. can Google all the craziness that happened on that show. And I was like, I don't want to, I don't yeah. want to be a showrunner. <laughs> like, this is absolutely nuts. Um, from so many aspects. Um, yeah, that was, that was, this, that was where I was like, I don't think I want to do this. What was the lesson on that one? What was the lesson? Ooh. Or lessons. Oh, yeah. Um, yeah. That's a great question. What was the lesson I learned from working on Carol Second Act? Um, I think, I think, honestly, I think the so for me, um, it was a hard show just because I was taking a step back. I was becoming an assistant again um, on a desk as opposed to being in the in the writers' room. And I think for me, I learned the importance of just like I learned that all the experience that I have kind of led me to that moment and it made me better at my job. Like I could be a showrunner assistant in my sleep. There's no assistant job in the world that I can't do. Mm -hmm. If that makes sense. And like, I, I also learned like, you know, put your head down and do your work. <laughs> it's crazy, but you, you sit here and you focus on finishing your pilot. <laughs> like, yeah. That sort yeah, of thing. Yeah, yeah. That's interesting. So like that kind of work ethics, cause I do feel like writers have, um, I don't know. I just feel like they have such a deeper and stronger work ethics than most arts because it's all about mm. rewriting. Yeah. Oh, yeah. And so who, where did you find that? Where did you get that skill? Um, deep. Like, yeah. the, I will say, like, they, that was probably, I want to say all, all writers are hardworking. All the shows I worked on, all writers are hardworking. But deep, that is a machine. Like, that right. is a... We, you're in the room until like four o'clock in the morning on table read day and you're constantly rewriting and rewriting and shout out to David Mandel. Like he would be in that, he lived at Paramount, okay? Where they shot, he, he lived there and he would just constantly be rewriting and making it better and making it funnier and making it better and making it funnier. And I was just like, I understood the power and how important it is to be rewriting because I don't like rewriting. Nobody wants to keep rewriting, but I understand no. like what it means to be rewriting, you know, like what it means and how it really affects the final product. I just had this great chat with Kay Cannon and she was oh, talking, love her. right? Love her. I can't imagine anybody not loving her. I think she's such a dynamo, but she mm -hmm. was talking about like, like how she was like, yeah, I'm just learning. I'm learning. I'm learning. Mm. And I was like, oh, I want to, I want to infuse that instinct in me. Cause mm -hmm. as opposed to, I got it perfect. I got it perfect. <laughs> right. right. <laughs> Which is not going to serve me. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Keep writing. 
So, um, so you're, oh, and then I want to hear about the diary via of a future president too, because that became yeah. more, that's when you kind of got into more of your voice, right? Yes. So the lucky thing, I don't know, I don't want to ruin it for anybody who hasn't seen the show, but like one of the characters comes out and I was in that room and I was, that was the first time I felt, like I felt seen for who I am, you know, like I yeah. always felt like I was in the back. Like I was some, most, I'm be honest, most of the time I feel like I'm your diversity hire. <laughs> like I'm qualified, I'm funny, I'm great, but it's also, you see the skin color, you're like, oh, we need her, you know? And yeah. I, just, I mean, I don't think you're alone on that position. And, yeah. you know, I think, I think that's okay. I think yeah. that's okay to balance things out a little bit and mm -hmm. actually get people responsible for finding some equality. Yeah. You know, if yeah. I see a show with all like whiteies, I'm like, that's lazy producing. <laughs> right? I mean, you're not lying. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah, I mean, it does mean like that people are looking, you know, to do diversity hiring, but I, I think that's okay to give more opportunities that way. Oh yeah. It's necessary to give more opportunities. It's yeah. just, it's pay attention to how you treat your diversity hire on your show. I'll say that. That's a great point. <laughs> right, right. Don't just um, put them in like photo opportunities. <laughs> no, listen to them. Listen to their stories. Like, yeah. I, yeah. I can go on in days about that. But no, I'm so, that's so important to me because I think like the, the journey that we're on is, is finding your voice a lot, yeah. right? So if that you're saying, journey. yeah, and if you're saying you, you didn't feel like people really got you or heard you until future president and then everything kind of, came into place a little yeah. bit what was that what was that experience like so I got to tell my coming out story and that's the first time I've ever said it out loud and I said it in a room full of writers and I felt so supported and so like you know uplifted and whatever and like I got I co-wrote an episode um, with Haley and she's also queer and it's just like I got to tell my story and it got to be in the script like I got to talk about how when you're coming out you have to come out to yourself first and how mm -hmm. I would do like mirror work and I would say to myself you're queer you're like, I would just literally have to say it to myself. So I didn't feel crazy because I felt crazy for so long. Like, what is wrong with me? And I got to say that in the room and I got to put it in the script. And that's the first script I've ever written. And now it's on TV. And it just literally, yeah. it was like my dream come true. Like it literally, that was the goal. That was why I got to LA to do that thing right there. Yeah, that's giving me goosebumps. I, when you said, I mean, I'm getting goosebumps all the time right now, but I have to recognize it because I'm like, that's something. Like when you said, I, knew, I learned to be, that I was funny and deep. I think that is such a gift. And then learning that you have a voice that people want to hear. Yes. Like, and did you they want to hear it, they support it. Yeah. Yeah. And did you know, like, that that was your story that you needed to put out there? No, because we had talked about, like, the, one of the characters, like, coming out and that process and stuff like that. And I, I'm very careful about what I share in the room, just in general, just because you never know. You know, and I know, like, you know, the room is sacred. What stays in there stays in there. But, like, I've seen things come out the room. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, there's always a crack underneath the door. Right. You know? Always a crack underneath the door. And yeah. I'm very cautious of being um, seen as a token, if that makes sense. Yep. Yep. I, guess. I don't I don't like it. I don't like that feeling. But, again, in that room, I just felt very supported. And, like, I don't, I just, I told my story. And it just felt, it felt like I lived this life. I went through what I went through so I could be here in this moment and tell you what I went through. Yeah. That's really extraordinary. <laughs> uh, you know, I like my only way of relating to this is the fact that like, you know, in improv, there was like a, a team of men and then I was a token woman. Mm, mm -hmm. But because I was sort of like, I don't know, like I, like I was more like a guy than a girl. Sometimes. <laughs> I think they were like, oh, that's safe. But I, I, I think at some point you have to put your elbows up and be like, I'm more than a token. I have this story. Yes, I'm here. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And 
so did that like how was your level of like um how can i put this like truthful living authentic living before that i'm gonna be honest my coming out process was very hard for me um and so i kind of wave i, I kind of waver on it because i i feel like as just as a black person as a woman it's like you already have so many things against you i got this too like <laughs> Right. Like really? Oh you know, man. It's, 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 it's a constant thing where I have to constantly accept myself and reaffirm myself. And like, even when it comes to being queer and just also feeling as a black woman, like love isn't possible for you, which I know is completely off topic, but just feeling like nobody's going to love you. No, nothing. Just so you know, Jerry, nothing's over off oh, okay. topic. It's all perfect. Okay. Like everything okay. you say <laughs> has absolute validity right now. Okay. Uh, and I, because I don't think you're alone with this, that kind of journey yeah. of going like, well, I, I don't want to speak my truth because I don't know how many people are going to stand behind it. And then yes. here's my truth. I'm super naked. And yes. everybody's like, no, thank you for your truth. <laughs> right. Yes, right? exactly. And so, so how I, did you dance with that? With your not listen, only coming out, but then, yeah. I mean, how are still you? still dancing. We're still yeah. dancing. We're tangoing right now. Like we're still yeah, right. going through it. Yeah. Um, it's, it's a constant thing where I have to remind myself that love is out there. Love is possible. Um, there is somebody in the world that is going to love me for exactly who I am today right now at the same way how I look you know just where I'm at my career financially emotionally all the things it's a constant reminder I constantly have to remind myself because I will tell you what's going on in the world especially right now especially like there's so much happening I constantly feel like love is impossible for me um, I am so that's just I'm so sorry that's <laughs> uh, that's not a great thing to carry around it's making me yeah that's a that's a real hard thing to carry around oh yeah it's, it's, it's no don't apologize to me. I'm saying, like, <laughs> I wish they couldn't, but I know that's part of your, that's part of your story. And it is. people will hear this and go, yeah, yeah, I get it. Thank you for saying that out loud. You know? Mm -hmm. Yeah. I mean, the pilot, I just finished the pilot. It's about my life as a standup, as a queer, as a black woman. I'm based in New York because I love New York and I love living there. But I call, I titled it Loveless because I'm constantly on this fight with myself trying to like all I, I love to talk about love i love to watch romantic comedies i love 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 yeah. it's the hardest thing for me to find like my career is moving it's whatever yeah. but love finding a person for me that gets yeah. me has been the hardest thing for me to find period. well it's not helping that we're in this pandemic no well, honestly <laughs> it's not <laughs> no. <laughs> yeah yeah, I remember there was a line, um, oh gosh, what was it called? It was the Billie Jean King um, film uh, with, um, was it Emma Stone? Anyway, there was a line in it, and because she was closeted, right? Billie Jean King, mm. was player, she was closeted. Mm -hmm. And then there was a moment where she had like an assistant that traveled with her, and that was how they did it Ooh. in the 60s or 70s or whatever it was. And then I remember there was a line that said, one day, it's going to make me cry because I just can't believe that it's shocking. But one day we're going to get to love who we want to love. Mm -hmm. And I feel like that's still not something that people either accept or em em embrace. And that's, that's what you're probably, you know, reflecting or, yeah. you know, that's but I carry. Carry you. Yeah, you're carrying mm -hmm. that. Um, so now, do you like, I mean, are you able, like, do you feel like there's a missing piece to your puzzle? I don't feel like there's a missing piece to my puzzle because I don't believe that somebody completes you. I believe that you're a whole human being and that you have to be whole. Um, so I don't feel like that. I feel, I, I feel loveless. Yeah. 
that's a journey into itself. What, tell me where, oh. how, that's big, man. That's like, <laughs> well, that could, you know, get through that in a couple of days. And then what Listen. are you going to do in your life? Right. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. So what's, what's your um, methods? Like you must be working on steps oh. to, to work on that. Well, therapy. I love therapy. It's like, it's honestly, it's like stand up. It's like, you, I, I feel like it's an open mic sometimes. Right. I don't know about you. <laughs> I mean, I, my therapist is not a great audience maybe because <laughs> I also feel like whenever I'm jokey in therapy, I'm deflecting. So oh, I'm, it's okay. very, like, I'm very aware when I make a joke mm-hmm. that I'm like <laughs> yeah. avoiding something. So. Uh-huh. I, yeah. I, it's therapy, therapy, journaling, affirmations save me over and over and over again. And then like looking for the love that I want to see. Like I watched She-Ra, I've been rewatching She-Ra and just like seeing how it ended. I was like, this is why I'm here. Like it just made all the difference. And I've watched, you know, Legend of Court and just all these things. And I just, I'm I'm continually trying to find the love that I want in my life and everything else. Yeah. That's been extremely helpful. So along the way, what have been like, what has helped you in that kind of process or who has helped you in the process of like, because it's self-worth, right? It's, yep. it's recognizing that you are entirely lovable. Yeah. Like I've known you for 19 minutes and I, I'm, <laughs> I'm a huge fan. So who, who has been around there for that kind of support, but also what kind of things have been there? My friendship. I have a lot of uh, my, my closest friends are men. Um, and just like talking to them because they also date women. So like there's this weird like synergy that we yeah, have right. yeah. that we can talk about. And that's honestly, that saves me. Like that, like just not knowing that I'm not alone and like, yeah, that's cr- like just that yeah, that's crazy. Yeah, that's mm-hmm. odd. Yeah, that's not normal. Or like, yes, I get how you feel. I feel the same way. And like dating women is like this. It's like, oh my God, I go through the same thing. Just like finding that commonality with another person that understands your mm-hmm. language and what you're going through saves me every single time. I guarantee you people are listening to this right now going, oh, thank God. <laughs> right? I always think it's like, it's like um, going, oh, that's a weird lump on my shoulder. And somebody goes, oh, I have one of those. I'm like, oh, okay, good. I don't, <laughs> right. Do you know that what I mean? Me. Like, it's yeah. just needing to have somebody else say, yeah, I, I have that same experience. So you're not mm-hmm. alone. Yeah. Do you feel like this is what you're here? This is what, this is the story you're here to tell? I do. I think that's why it took me three years to write the pilot about my life. And I think that's why, because, you know, obviously you're continuously living, but like the story that I need to tell is about being black and being queer and accepting yourself. And then also searching for love, like genuine, true love. Even when the world tells you that you're unlovable, you know, that nobody wants you, that you're the last on the totem pole, you know, finding it in yourself and saying like, I love myself. and I know somebody else is going to love me too. Like, I think that is my, that's the journey that I'm on. It's a journey I hope, you know, to close one day, but it's, it's, yeah, it's that. And are you reticent to speak your tr- truth entirely? Like for who, like, are you, are you hesitant to speak your truth entirely because of who it affects around your world? Like if you said your, your coming out process was challenging. Mm-hmm. So I think, I think we look after people. So that's yes. what stops you from being entirely truthful sometimes. Uh, and how's that with the process of writing? Ooh, so this is the thing. I, I don't lie to myself. Like I, when I'm writing, I have to write my truth. Um, I, that's why I started doing like these rant videos. Like I think I, I have to be able to tell my truth as ugly as it is, as uh, raw as it is, 
sometimes as funny as it is, sometimes how sad and depressing it is, I have to be able to tell my truth. And when I sit down to write, I, that's how I write. Like that's how I do a lot of things that I do and the things that I talk about, especially stand up. Like stand up saves me because on stage it's like Jerica. <laughs> like I am a whole like I am the Jerica 2.0. Like right. you know, like I'm saying what I want to say. I'm moving how I want to move. Like I just the person I'm on stage is who I hope to be in everyday life. Yes. You know? Yeah. But yeah. It's amazing. Mm-hmm. That's amazing that you found that place. It, 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 I found it and it's fine like, and continuing to go to that place is also really hard getting up on stage and telling your truth to strangers yeah. is hard and hoping that they laugh <laughs> I want to hear about your stand-up process because was that something that you did because you knew it's always something you wanted to do or because you had to do it it scared me uh a lot but I just I would watch other stand-ups and I would go to stand-up shows and I was like I could do that I'm funny yeah. Yeah. Like, you know, and I was just like, I can do this. And then I took a class with David Arnold and I loved it. I, I loved it. I felt at home on stage because I, you know, improv isn't for me, but I kept wanting it to be for me. I yeah. wanted to love improv so much. And it was just like, no, Jerica, that's not you. You need to have the written form is your best friend. And I found stand up and I was like, oh, girl, this is it. Like yeah. this, this is why you're here. Yeah. 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 I, I had that it. same relationship, but the opposite, like, I wanted to do stand up, like I wanted to love it so much. Mm-hmm. And then I did it a couple of times. I'm like, I'm lonely. Like I miss <laughs> my improv people. So mm-hmm. uh yeah. But I'm I'm in admiration of the of what you said, like the truth telling that stand ups go through because I think it it's interesting because I think it costs you not to tell your truth, but I think it also costs you to tell it. So there's this fine line. Oh. Mm-hmm. Um yeah, how do you balance that level of I, like I said, I was fighting myself. Like yeah. I literally was making myself sick. The more I didn't speak my truth, the more I wasn't walking in my purpose. Like I really was just like struggling. I was yeah. angry all the time. I wasn't my best self. I wasn't doing my best work. And once I started to tell my truth, it was like the world opened up. <laughs> so like, what turned for you? What gave you the confidence to start speaking like that? I, so when I'm on stage, I just feel so free. Like I just, I feel like I'm just like, I don't know, like I'm just walking on air and like, you are in my mind and you're getting to witness the things that I have to say and how I think. And like the things I'm talking about are things I'm passionate about. Like I have a whole bit about Beyonce. I love Beyonce. <laughs> we talk about Beyonce all day. You yeah, know? right. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So yeah, just finding that. But I will say when I started stand up, I pretended to be straight on stage. So I just went through this. Evo- I, know, I know, I know. No, tell me that's so had you come out before you started doing stand up? No, oh, you hadn't. So how no. long ago did you come out? Oh God, I came out the same year, four, four years since I came out like a couple of okay. days after Trump was elected. <laughs> I was like, no more, <laughs> no right. more. I raise um, you uh, coming out. <laughs> yes, exactly. Yeah. Um, yeah, it was, it, was, it was a journey. It was hard because I, I was lying on stage. Yeah, that must have felt really, and as you said, like now you're flying because cause you are living your truthfulness. Mm-hmm. That's amazing. So, um, and then four years ago, so you were lying, you're doing your stand-up. Yes. Pretending to be straight. Yes. Talking about Beyonce as if you weren't like crushed out on her because everybody right. is. Um, yeah. And so, and then, and then did something happen where you're like, enough? I, me and my girlfriend broke up. <laughs> oh, <yeah. laughs> oh, man. Okay. And it was such a messy breakup. Like we lived together. We did the whole thing. Like we met a week later, we lived together. Like, it yeah. was just a whole craziness. All, like, in secrecy. Yeah. Yeah. Nobody knew. Nobody knew. 
Um, and just like going through that and just realizing like how she went through her coming out process and how it was brutal for her. Um, and I was putting her back in the closet and I was like, who, no, you, I just, you can't do that to somebody. Like me personally on my journey and how I feel, I can't do that to a person I love. I can't put you back in the box you've been fighting years to get out of. And that just yeah. like, it just, that just stuck with me. And I always felt like it was one of the causes to our breakups and like, you know, obviously a lot more to it, but that was one of the, you know, underlying factors. And I just, I really wanted to do the work on myself to be better. And I was like, I can't be who I need to be if I'm just pretending to be straight. Like mm-hmm. I just, that's impossible. Right. And so I don't know, like one day I went on stage and I was like, this isn't me. Did you come out on stage? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Holy crap. You're ballsy. I came out on stage. I came out in an, uh, an open mic and like, um, the feedback was very brutal, uh, very negative, lots of hecklers. Um, yeah, it was hard. And that, and that caused me to stop doing stand-up for a while because I just, I, I wanted to tell my truth and I didn't, you know, it's a, you know, stand-up, a lot of the rooms I was in, I was the only girl, the only black woman, I was the only queer woman. And, you know, a lot of the men had, had questions, a lot of the men had questions and like feedback and just why, blah, blah, blah. you know, like, as you know, you're going to stand up, all the men talk about their penises. And I'm just like, I don't want that, you know? And it just, it got so um, negative and just ugly and brutal. And I was Mm -hmm. like, I can't do this anymore. Like, Mm -hmm. I just can't. And I stopped doing stand-up for a while after that. But yeah, came out on stage. Wow, you're ballsy, man. Holy cow. (laughs) So then you're, did you know you wanted to turn stand-up into writing? Or did you just, was that a natural step? I was writing first. Because I did like UCB and like sketch and stuff like that, yeah. Oh, but you were in UCB for writing. Mm-hmm. I did uh, writing first, and then I did improv too, because I I see that like, how they work together. Yeah, especially in a room. Yeah, it so serves you for sure. Mm-hmm. And, and then that's interesting. But then you probably saw that like stand up also could serve you as a writer. Yeah, it wasn't even about writing. It's just like I what, I was so scared to be on stage, and like I just think there's like an improv. I felt like I could just I could hide. I could be in the mm-hmm. background. Like I could be on the second line. Like I could just be back there chilling do my little come out do my three beats and just make it you know I could I could hide <laughs> yeah and then on stand-up I was like I could there's nowhere for me to go it's just me yeah. on the stage and I it scared me but it also made me the happiest I've ever been yeah so now when like you're pursuing your writing if you do you feel like you can own the title of of writer yes well I only I only felt like I could own it after I got an episode before that I was like am I a writer right. who am I but after I got an episode I was like yeah I'm a writer yeah and has there been a tipping point where you're like, uh, like, I feel like as artists, and maybe this is constant, I, I don't do it as much, but I did it earlier on where I was like, oh, maybe I should be looking at going back to school or dental hygienist or something. I mean, that would be the worst choice for me to ever do. I'm not a flosser. But, uh, <laughs> but did you, was there a tipping point where you're like, oh man, I don't think I can, I don't think I can pursue this anymore. It's too challenging. And then something turned for you, a tipping point maybe? Oh yeah. So I had applied to USC, did not get in. (laughs) And I was just like, I don't think I can do this anymore. Like I'm tired of being the only black girl, tired of being the only queer person. Um, Maybe comedy isn't for me. Like when I pitch jokes, they don't laugh at them. They don't understand me. I just felt very alone and by myself. And I felt alone and by myself at UCB. I just, I never found my tribe or my people, if that makes sense. Mm-hmm. Um, and then, but the tipping point came. When did the tipping point come? I want to say the tipping point came kind of, sort of, it was definitely well after I came out, but it was like when I got my episode, just like being in the diary of a future president room and just seeing it was completely diverse. Um, Alana Pena 
is somebody who like staffed on a show for one season. She did a lot of work prior to that as well, but she staffed on a show for one season and then she had her own show. And I came to LA to be the, the I came to LA to be the next Shonda Rhimes of comedy. Like that's why I'm here. Mm-hmm. That's why I came to LA. And like I don't, just seeing that and just like seeing her do her job and just do it so effortlessly and so well. And then just getting an episode and telling my truth. Like I was like, girl, you got this, you could do this. And then this like other things that happened in my career and just, I don't know. It just, all those things meant so much. But I will say also is because when I moved to LA, I went to this brunch that was hosted by Lena Waithe and Issa Rae. And like, they gave us all these details and like, whatever. And like, I just, I remember sitting there and just like taking it in. I was yeah. like, I want to be like Issa. Like, I want to be like Issa Rae. And like, I met her after and she was so kind and so lovely and like asked to read my script and I wasn't running like I should have. So I never sent her one. But she it was just she gave me my first opportunity let me be a script coverage reader for her and just I don't know that was that that was the thing that was like oh you can you can do this mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. It, it pushed me to stop being an assistant and start working on tv shows mm-hmm. yeah okay. and now like as your position's getting stronger and you're as I said you have more power do you feel the responsibility to be that to other um People? I'm not not younger writers but uh, less experienced writers I don't know about uh I I don't I do feel the need to help I want to help as many people as I can who are coming to LA that want to be assistants that want to get a job at like I want to help as many people that want to go on the journey that I've gone that I'm on that I've been on and just like start like I want to help people get their foot in the door and find their first job like that's something I'm very passionate about whether you want to be a writer or anything like that like I want to help you look at your resume like just get in there so you can just get in there and take over because I feel like that's the barrier to entry for people of color, for women, for people that are LGBT, that people that are like um, differently abled is so huge. Yeah. And I want to be a person that just knocks that down, no matter where you want to do. You can be an agent, a manager, whoever. Just, I want to help those people. Yeah, because that's so interesting. There's a lot of people I know that are like, I, I want to be a writer. I've written my spec. I've written my pilot. I've, mm-hmm. like, I've worked on my package and I just don't know how, where to go from here. Mm-hmm. And what kind of advice? Because I feel like also you're in this great position, which is you're close to to that, as yeah. opposed to like a distance where you're like, oh gosh, when I was first starting, like you're actually yeah. in the mix of how to make it happen. I'd love to hear like pearls of wisdom and advice you might give to folks that are looking for that. Like even like your resume, as you said, I I, I didn't even think about that. I think of the resume being like, well, here's my credits, right? <laughs> Maybe there's like there's a deeper way of making that you know shinier. Definitely. I think, well, when it comes to resumes, I always use your highlight reel. So you have to, you know, list your accomplishments. And I always try to tell people like your resume should be unique for every job. And I think that's the thing that people don't do. They just have a formatted resume that just for everything. And I just think that's crazy. I don't know. Right. Because you got to put the credits that are most relevant. Is that Mm -hmm. what you mean? Look, I'm speaking like a real newbie here. So no, I think, how would you adjust it for something like Veep versus Blackish? Well, being an assistant is a different thing. When you're, you know, when you're a writer, you have an agent that helps you and they just send your bio and your sample. But when you're an assistant, you, you, you have to like, I need to know you're good at final draft. I need to know you're writing for a minute because you have, no matter whatever position you have as an assistant, sometimes you're going to have to cover in the room. Like that's usually something's going to happen. Yeah. Um, so you need to be good at those things. You need to be able to talk about, you know, how to be an assistant, you know, how to roll calls and speak the language of being an assistant yeah in entertainment specifically which is like rolling calls and like saying things like that um, so I want people to have those things on like their resume like it needs to look like somebody who is going to um come in and just do the job so well yeah yeah what else, what other things would you say to folks that are just like with a vision of writing staff being mm-hmm. a staffed writer or showrunner 
Well, one, I think for me, one thing I say is like, when I was on Blackish, I was very depressed and I was very unhappy and I stopped writing. Never stopped writing. You should, you, writing is a job in itself and you should keep writing, um, keep pushing yourself and just have samples, have all types of samples. Cause like a writer is always writing, period. Yeah, so just continue to write. I think that's the biggest thing. But I also think it's like interviews and just being uh, excited to be in an interview. And like, for me, I love interviews. Like I love getting to know another person and hear about their journey and like, why you want to be a writer and stuff like that. And my favorite question to ask is what was the show or movie that made you want to be a TV writer? And like, that means like they get their eyes light up and blah, yeah. blah, blah. You know, that's yeah. my favorite question to ask. And I think people have interviews, like you should go in excited, not nervous, like excited. Even if you're reading right. like the rhymes, like you should be excited. Like, Oh my God, like let's talk. Like, what are your pet peeves? Totally. What do you look for an assistant? Like, you know, people don't ask those thoughtful, unique, specific questions. Yeah, I love that. I think there's something about, um, I remember talking to a friend of mine, Deanna Moffat, about the difference between being excited and being nervous and how to turn, turn nerves into, no, I'm, mm-hmm. I'm excited about this. Mm-hmm. And um, I want to be here. Yeah. Uh, when you were working on Blackish, were you depressed because of the challenge of that room or just because of life around it? Um, I was depressed because I'm not going to be quite honest with you. I was depressed because I had a boss who uh, treated me like I was trash, <laughs> like wouldn't say my name correctly, um, would call me names, uh, wouldn't treat me fairly like she treated the other uh, PAs on the show. Wait, it's like, long, right? Am I saying it right? Yes, long? Jericho Long. I'm mm-hmm. just kidding. I'm just no. kidding. Long. <laughs> <laughs> but like she wouldn't say my name correctly. Yeah. And I was like, my name rhymes with America. If you can say America, you can say Jericho. Like yeah. I, that's always my thing to people. And yeah, it's respect. It was just depressing. And the hours were, you know, the hours are intense. And if you have a boss that treats you um, below human, it's, it's rough. What did you do to get through that? As you said, you were writing, Ooh. but like, did you have like a support system in some form? I was living with my girlfriend. That's probably why I made that, that crazy idea to live with her. Um, but yeah, I was living with my girlfriend and she was the biggest support system. Like yeah. she, she kept me together. She would bring me food. Like she really, truly like helped me, you know, maintain. And then just like getting out. Honestly, it was the other people on the crew. Anthony Anderson is wonderful. But Jennifer Lewis? Let me, I love me some Jennifer Lewis, okay? She kept it real. She would check in on me when I would need to like hide a little bit, you know, to go a little way. I would hang out with her and her. Like she just, oh, she looked out for me. And there's so many other people on that set who continue, a Roxy who did um, these hair and makeup. Like all these people cared about me and just constantly checked in on me and made sure I was okay. And that people were treating me right. And I just, those people kept me going. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. I love the advice of like, if you want to be a writer, you should be writing all the time. Yeah. Do you know? And that's not easy because it's challenging. And you sort of, I think as writers, um, you sometimes feel like, like, what's the point? Because <laughs> yeah. we're not, it's not, it's not like I'm writing something to actually create. I'm writing something to get the, the job to create something else or mm-hmm. it's a step along the way. Mm-hmm. So I think that's really, really sound advice. Um, yeah. I also have a really, uh, what I might say is maybe my favorite question is, what um, TV show made you want to become a writer? <laughs> I love this question. <laughs> oh, thanks. No, oh, it's just something I threw together. It's just... <laughs> mm-hmm. uh, Fresh Prince of Bel-Air. Oh, no kidding. I love, I've still watched episodes. Whenever I'm down or I'm upset or I feel like quitting the industry, yeah. I just watch Fresh Prince of Bel-Air. Like I love, like growing up, I, you know, I was like, honestly, I was always the only black face in the all white places. And like Will made it cool. Like Will yeah. Smith would come in and he was himself. He was authentic. He was funny. He was like, he, everybody loved him. And mm-hmm. I just, I loved Will Smith. And I always felt like he get, he had the guide to being, you know, the black person at an all white school. He, he literally laid the foundation for me to follow. 
Um, so I just, I don't know, I'd watch that show and I was like, I want to create something like this. I, you know, love that. Yeah, no, I love that kind of like, you don't even know as adults looking back and be like, oh, that's why that struck a chord mm-hmm. for me. Uh, yeah, like for me, I was watching like Catherine O'Hare and Andrew Martin going, oh, because my, because I had been watching like my mom, my mom's British, right? So some things would come in like Benny Hill, which was all like booby jokes. And I'd be like, <laughs> I guess if you're a lady in comedy, you do booby jokes. And then Catherine O'Hara comes up and you're like, uh-huh. or you do that genius. Wow. She is a genius. So, yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And Andrew Martin, same sort of thing. Those, those mm-hmm. folks are such inspirations. Um, do you have the, uh, do you have the file in your head of like, when I have my room? Ooh. Or when I do, when I'm showrunner of my show, it's uh-huh. gonna be this. I'm not gonna do this. I am gonna do this. Yes, I, I do. Let me hear it. I want to hear the dream. So first thing first, I want to sit the writers down and tell them to treat the assistants like people, um, and that we're not gonna treat them subhuman. They're gonna come in the room. They're gonna pitch jokes. They're gonna be part of the process. I'm going to read everybody's script at the end of the season and give feedback and notes. I think. I know a lot of people who worked on shows for seasons and the showrunners have never read them. And I think that's crazy. Um, so I definitely want to do that. Yeah. And then also too, like, I want to make my room inclusive. I want the set to be inclusive behind the scenes. I want to set up shadowing opportunities for directors with people of color. Like I just, I really want it to be such a training ground. Like I want to, I, I say, I want to bring the Ava experience to the shows that I work on. Cause I want it to be inclusive learning environment, everybody feels heard. And I just, I want the room to be a place where um, people don't feel like they can't say their truth mm-hmm. and they can't be funny. And like, I just, I want, I just want it to be a very inclusive environment where people are happy and they want to be there. Mm-hmm. We're leaving at six o'clock. <laughs> I mean, that's, yeah. so, so now what, what do you, what are your focuses now? Are you feeling like, as you said, you're, you're in quarantine, so you're in the zone. Mm-hmm. Um, are you inspired like by writing and TV show watching or what's your latest inspiration? Honestly, I've only, I've tried to only watch things that make me laugh. I've been watching shows that just feature queer, you know, queer LGBT love. Like that's yeah. literally been my focus. I only kind of want to see that. And I've been finding those shows. I just binge feel good. I'm going to binge it again because it's okay. so great on Netflix. Um, but I've just, I've been writing and like, I've been doing career coaching. So I've been trying, I've been trying to. I did a whole two weeks of like free career coaching, just like helping people like look at their resumes, give them feedback, help them with their interviews, stuff like that. And then I started to set up a Fiverr and I just started like $30 and let's just talk about your career and how to get you to where you want to be and like setting a strategy and creating an action plan. Cause I think people don't plan, you know, they go haywire, they, whatever. But if you have a strategy, yeah, you got this. Where do you get this from? Where do you get this? Like, (laughs) were you brought up by life coaches? Where do you get this? No, I have a life coach, Angel Gaines. Um, love her but honest i do a lot of reading i love oprah's um super soul sunday love it it gets me together love it. Mm-hmm. get yourself on that Brene brown podcast oh i love her i'm reading one of her books it's yeah. on my kindle i have to find it. but i i love her yeah I you got her a netflix thing yeah, she's special amazing all right yeah. so if you were gonna break down if somebody came to you and said look i want to be in a i want to be a writer and in in, in staffed in the writer's room what would you say like three or four steps are so you said resume resume interview would, like practice your interview i would say getting it uh, i wouldn't uh, practicing your interview mm, maybe i would say um i only say that because i've talked to people before where they're like i blew it in the interview because i mm. i was nervous or i was not in the right mind frame and or like it's like public speaking you gotta exercise that muscle if you're gonna do it that's true like pitching. i think if it is definitely you're pitching yourself 
Yeah. Um, I would say the four things though I would say would be working on your writing, like working on your typing speed. I think that's extremely important that people overlook being able to type fast. Yeah. Knowing final drafts because listen, but type fast draft. and accurate, just so you know, because I yes. can type super fast. Yes, fast <laughs> and accurate. accurate. Fast and accurate. Because sometimes they'll have you typing up to a screen and they're gonna see what you're typing. So you gotta, right, you gotta bring it. Right, you right. to bring it. <laughs> that's a great that's a great little bit of insight. Okay, go on. And uh, mindset, I think if you have the wrong mindset, like this is a journey, this is a marathon, this isn't a sprint. And you're gonna see people who look like they've sprinted long, like, you know, like they, they got there and you're still on your journey. Um, you know, a lot of my friends are staff. So it's like, you, you kind of have to um, develop a mindset that you're gonna get there. Mm-hmm. No matter how long it takes, you're gonna get there. But I also okay. think um, being kind when people are mean to you, if that makes sense. Yeah. I feel like that's a skill that you have to have because you're going to encounter so many different personalities, especially yeah. in a writer's room. Oh my gosh. Um, yes. Yeah. And like, just, you have to be able to smile and be nice and just funny and be approachable and be somebody that wants people, wants you around. But I also think writing, you should be writing. Like you should have samples on top of samples. Yeah. Features, short films, whatever, pilots, all types of things. Um, cause that's, a, that's the most important thing. You don't want to be in a position where you're in the room, you're on beat and somebody has to read you and they're like, Oh, where's that right. pilot? Yeah. You know? Yeah. Like if you don't have anything in your back pocket, mm-hmm. you'll be up all night. Um, that moment that w- what you just said about being kind in the face of maybe situations are lacking in kindness. Do you remember like a sticky conversation that you had that you had to like Ooh. step into that kind of power? Cause I feel oh. like those are so, don't you think those are so self-defining? Like when yes. I've had to stand up for myself, I mean, so shaky and mm. I definitely cried about it afterwards, but like it taught me so much about how yes. to, how to recognize my value. Mm-hmm. What was yours? Okay. I'm going to tell you, <laughs> I worked on Veep and as you can imagine, I'm just, I'm very different from the people that work on Veep. Yes. And you know, the writer's PA would call me sassy and okay. it just, it made me mad. It made me so mad because I worked so hard to not be seen as the black girl right. that is the diversity hire. Um, and he would just call me sassy and he just thought it was okay. And I just, I just remember like how it just made me feel like he, yeah. and the fact that he thought calling me sassy and like using that as my name instead of Jerrica is insane. But I just remember like, it just made me so angry and so upset. And I just like, I, I didn't even talk to him about it. I talked to the showrunner's assistant, Mary, who was a white woman about it. And she was like, this is not okay. I'm going to shut this down. And she went over there and shut it down. And mm-hmm. I just remember, I was like, I could talk, I could, and he apologized to me. And I was like, how, like, I could have been one of those people who like reports it to so-and-so or, or like treats him differently or whatever. And I was just like, I'm going to be kind to him. Cause mm-hmm. maybe he just didn't know. And I'm just, I'm going to give him the benefit of the doubt. Um, and I'm going to be nice. Cause yeah. it's hard. It's, yeah. it's, it's hard. Especially when you have a PA on a show that's been running for so many seasons and you're the newbie, and that he was there longer than I was. So, like, I'm walking into the boys' club mm-hmm. as a black queer woman by myself uh, for people who are extremely accomplished, and just like being called sassy so many times in front of crew, in front of talent, in front of everybody, just felt so degrading. Yeah. Um, but I just, you know, I I chose to take my power back, and I was like, that doesn't define me. That's not who I am, and I'm going to show you who I am. And I'm funny, yeah. and I'm I'm wonderful, and you're going to get this. Yeah. 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 I think also like he probably gained respect for you for standing up for yourself. Mm-hmm. Like I'm, I'm so, yeah, I, I don't find conflict easy ever. I'm trying to get mm. better with it because mm-hmm. there, I'm, I'm sure I'll have conflict to deal with in the future. But I think having that kind of like 
you know what, this doesn't make me feel good. I'm going to say something because I can't do my job the way I want to do it because I'm yeah. taken down a notch constantly. Oh yeah. It, yeah. it, it, it definitely bothered me. Cause like you're a PA, you're, you're handing people lunches. You're handing white men lunches as a black woman. And he's calling you sassy. Like yeah, draw, you know, draw the comparison, you yeah. know? And you're being kind and saying like, he didn't know. I think that's a really good place to come from and just say like, I just got to educate you. Yes. Yeah. Yep. And then taking that on, because I do feel the burden of having to educate my counterparts that are often white men. And I was just like, you know what? I'm going to give them the bit. I'm, I'm just going to be, I'm going to, I'm going to use compassion in this yeah. whole thing. And I chose compassion and I chose like going the route of being an educator and educating him on why that didn't work. And you know, the, the outcome was much better than I think it would have been if I would have chosen the other you know yeah but also sometimes and then you you leave it and you're like oh i'm just gonna let it go let it go and then mm -hmm. it comes out in like get your own effing lunch like you know and that comes out the wrong way, way. Mm -hmm. to deal with things wait it's funny because i think you know we're having a lot of these discussions with um you know vocabulary and the proper vocabulary to use so that yeah. you are as inclusive as possible mm -hmm. and so now one of the things i've i'm trying really hard to take out of my vocabulary is guys mm. just saying hey guys Mm -hmm. because it's not inclusive it just nope. isn't and nope. so it um i'm making mistakes like we all are going like, to make mistakes right and i'm going to correct myself as i go we're gonna we're saying folks now with an x mm -hmm. and trying to be as yep. right so mm -hmm. but that's education like for him to call you sassy well yeah i think when you're calling a black i think in the, the setting that i'm in um as a co-worker mm -hmm. as a black woman in comedy so just to right. call me that as if it's my name yeah it's a problem yeah. Period. Like, you know, it's just like, you're getting, it, it's just crazy. And it's also like not recognizing where it lands. Like if I called yeah. you sassy and I just lo looked at your face and you're like, Ooh, then I'd be like, won't <laughs> be doing that again. You right. Know? You learn. Yeah. 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 Mm -hmm. If you're, if you're aware, right. It's like, yeah. putting up your, if you're paying attention. Yeah. Um, oh, I, I think you're fantastic. I have to wrap it up at some point. So I'm going to yeah. ask you some questions. <laughs> These aren't like rapid fire, but they're questions that can sort of give you like shorter answers uh, or not. You know what? This okay. is your time. Do what you want to do. <laughs> Um, what do you want to be best known for? Oh, God. Oh, man. Uh, giving other people, no, actually, I would say giving other people opportunity, but also living my truth. Yeah. In a way that not only inspires other people, but like causes change and changes and shifts. Yeah. Does that make sense? In a Absolutely. hundred percent. Do you feel like you're doing that now? I feel like I'm starting to. Yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. it's a good um watermark to check in with yes you know like when you you take, yeah when you take jobs when you sign contracts you're like is mm -hmm. this pursuing the thing i like that um what's two words to describe your present state of mind um i would say positive hustler i like it i like <laughs> it um and if this was a movie uh and we're about to roll the credits like this is the last mm -hmm. scene of your movie it's mm -hmm. the jerica long movie and uh what would be the climax the turning point of your movie so far oh gosh that's a great question it's like what what would be the climax um no, i would think like, it'd be this quarantine just, <laughs> oh not this interview, this interview like, oh my god i should have worked way harder in this interview if this was your climax. um oh that's interesting you feel like you've like stepped into it into your yeah power of it. that's amazing mm-hmm Cool. Um, all right. What, uh, what's something that people don't know about you? I love Harry Potter. I love Harry Potter. <laughs> I, love, I love that's it. one of my favorite questions because it's always 
revealing in some sort of fun little nugget. Yeah, I wouldn't take you as a Harry Potter fan, but love it. Lord yeah. of the Rings, Harry Potter, sign me up. Wow. Okay. Mm-hmm. Um, what has been your best mistake? Oh wow. Oh wow. Best mistake. I because I'm such a perfectionist. I hate making mistakes. Oh God, my best mistake. I would say taking the job on Carol's second act. I won't say mm-hmm. it's a mistake, but just because I told myself I'm not gonna be an assistant anymore. And I and I and I took another assistant job. And I think I've just learned so much about myself uh. in that job. And I just learned about what I can take and what I can't take. I just learned so it was such a reflective experience for me. Yeah, and it wasn't ideal, but uh, was that you like not acknowledging like your gut instinct of like, don't take that job. And then you went and did it anyway. Well, I wanted to work for the, like my bosses, Emily and Sarah, because first of all, I love Booksmart so much. I love them. They're wonderful people. Love that movie. So great. And I love them. And I want, I I didn't want to take that job because I didn't want to be an assistant anymore. I wanted to be a staff writer. I want people to see me as a staff writer. Um, And I know that, that people see you different when you keep taking assistant jobs. So, um, that's why I didn't want to take it, but I took it because I loved Emily and Sarah. They're yeah. the best people. They're kind. They're good people, and their women in comedy were kicking ass. You know? Yeah. yeah. So. So yeah, that's an interesting, interesting path for that. Um, <laughs> what do you do when you need to regroup? What do you do to balance your life? Oh gosh, I take a shower. I love my shower. <laughs> <laughs> I get it. I know. My mine's a bath. Like if I could have like a good. Uh huh. I feel like that's the minimal self-care I can do. Yeah. It's just because like, I'm not doing any other self-care, have a bath. Right. You can have a concert in there. I just like, I'm always like, I call myself the Beyonce of the shower. Cause in the, like in my shower, I am Beyonce, you know? Yeah. I just, I love my shower. Do you sing? Yes. Are you can also I sing singing? well? No. No, it doesn't matter. Yeah. I, I think everybody should sing. I don't even care if you're tone deaf. I think singing, yeah. dancing, and improv, I think everybody should do it. Yes. I agree. Even if like, it's really awkward dancing, which people mm-hmm. can't see, but I'm really doing some awkward dancing. <laughs> um, what have you, what haven't you done yet, but you know you have to do before the end of your life? Oh my, I want to go to Bali. Oh yeah. Mm-hmm. That's my big yeah. dream to like have what, one of those resorts on the water. What's your pull to that place? What's your like the vision water. of it? Mm-hmm. Like I just, I just imagine myself sitting in this beautiful, I don't know, cabana, I don't know what those things are called, but they're over like all over the water mm-hmm. and just being able to like stop in. And just seeing an endless ocean and watching the sunrise come up. Like, I just see myself there, you know? Yes, yes. I see you there, too. Thank you. Um, okay, what's, final question is, what's advice you would have given to your younger self? I would, I would have, t- well, keep writing. Um, don't give up on yourself. I've given up on myself so many times. So many times. Hmm. I would tell her, don't give up on herself. Yeah. Did you write as a kid? No, I did a lot of talking as a kid. I did a lot of writing. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, I think you're fantastic, and I can't wait Thank to you. see what you do in this community. Honestly, I think uh, I think having people like you with the hearts you have in this community is just going to serve us all. Oh, thank you. That's so kind. Mm-hmm. I appreciate yeah. it. I think you're fantastic. So keep in touch. Please don't, yes. uh, you know, make sure you let us know what you're working on and how firecracker department can help you in any way oh thank you and thank you to your team like i've been going through a lot and your team has been so wonderful and i've been so bad on email and they've been wonderful do not thank sweat you. it at all um okay. is everything okay in your world now yeah things are they're much better um much better but again like just watching friday die, i just like there's so much happening that affects me emotionally mm-hmm. and I'm, I'm i'm um what's the word i am uh closing off Does that makes mm-hmm. sense like i'm just like mm-hmm. digital break 
social media breaks. I'm just trying to, I'm trying to, I might put like a video out or comedy into the world because I think people need to laugh, but I'm going to close off, regroup and just get back in touch with myself and like why I'm here and just, you know, just get and call my friends and check on them, especially with the black men in my life. Yeah. Yeah. Why especially? Just because I know a lot of them feel like they have targets on their back or they feel like they're next and it can be them. It could be me too. It could be, you know, any black person of any gender, but I know I'm from Florida and a lot of my friends are from Florida and like Trayvon Martin, just so, and just, you know, it's a red state. There's so many things that happen in Florida to black people. And so I just want to continue, I just want to check on them because I know they're hurting. Mm -hmm. So, yeah, I feel like the more we can do that across the board, like just, if you have like a little inkling in your brain, like, I wonder how mm-hmm. so-and-so is doing, like just shoot them a text. It mm-hmm. really is so, like if you have, that's, that's not, I was going to say it's not a lot of effort, but like we don't ha- always have infinite amounts of energy to look after each other, but, but do what you can, you know, yeah. even if you can just send a text because yeah. I don't know, there's a lot of people that are really struggling these days. Yes. Like show up for another person. Yeah. Let's just keep in touch. Yay. Okay. Thank I think you. you're the best. Thank you, so, Thank much. you so much. You're just delightful. All right. Bye. Speak to you soon. Don't you love her? I love her. I just think she's a dynamo. I can't get over her, her truly tangible, actionable advice that she just doled out through this whole episode. And I know for a fact, uh, Sydney Nielsen edits these and she listens. She's the first pair of ears to hear these podcasts and uh, I know she got so jazzed by it. I know you did, Sydney. I loved how Jerrica was talking about getting those samples, using your resume as a highlight reel, never stop writing, which is a total Sarah Deacons who's part of our script department. She's always writing, she's always creating. Every one of those little tidbits was an absolute gem. And you know, you know Firecracker Department's all about creative action. You know that. I mean, just take a look at uh, Sarah Bowden, who helps creative untangling and strategy for our department. She is like, what's creative action? At the end of every meeting, what's our creative action? What's our action? And I love that because it makes you sort of get into the motion of not just like being inspired by something, but actually moving it forward into action. I love it. We end all our meetings that way. Jerrica just has such a firecracker attitude and seems to do the same sort of thing. What's the creative action? So here's a little step for you, a little action-oriented step. Watch her episode of Diary of a Future President right now on Disney+. And if you haven't heard of the show, it's about this 12-year-old Elena, who is a Cuban-American girl navigating the ups and downs of middle school and her journey to become the future president of the United States. And it's just such an uplifting show. Go watch it and then loop us in. Tell us what you thought about it at Firecracker D-E-P-T. Jerrica's guest column in The Hollywood Reporter is also linked in our show notes, and you can follow Jerrica herself on Twitter or Instagram at Jerrica Long with an underscore at the end. Jerrica Long underscore. And follow us while you're over there, Firecracker D-E-P-T, and let us know what steps you're taking this week to move forward with your creative projects, because I know you're all such creators. I see the action on our Facebook group and our Twitter and our Instagram and there's so much going on out there and I love it. I'm so inspired by all of you. We love to hear from you. I know Sydney does and don't forget the last Sunday of every month we have the script department event where we read other firecracker scripts and have a little discussion about it and uh, join. Join as a community to take some creative action. It's one of my favorite things. Hey, 
Just a quick little shout out. If you haven't already subscribed to our newsletter, go on over to firecrackerdepartment.com and subscribe because there's all this news coming in and we need to find a way of getting to reach you. So uh, go on over there and big shout outs to Sydney Nielsen and Nadine Brito who are working very hard with some great support from Anna Gustafson and Vicki Breyer to create these newsletters every month. Uh, they, are, they are a work of art. Mwah! Go check them out. I just want to let you know that there is something for everyone within the Firecracker Department. And if you're not already part of our Firecracker members group over on Facebook, why not? You should be. It's super fun. And it sort of is our central hub for connecting with each other. It's kind of like what I say is, these are your people. Come and find us. This is where you'll hear about what's going on in all the departments and also meet some fabulous Firecracker people from all over the world. So get in on that action. Mondays are FDTV. That's Firecracker Department Television. We have a writing group that meets on Thursday, so you can be part of that as well. Come one, come all. And then Sundays, we do a community brunch on Zoom so everybody can come, meet some of your people, hang out, and then pop over to our wellness department for an amazing meditation live on Instagram and Facebook. I'm telling you, we're busy and there's something for you. There's a department and a seat for everyone at the firecracker table. You just have to pull up a chair because really we've been waiting for you. So come on in and join the community. Stay in the loop and subscribe to our newsletter at firecrackerdepartment.com. I'm really glad you're here. Big, huge, massive, gigantic, big-hearted thank you to the whole Firecracker team. Oh my gosh, everyone in Los Angeles, Toronto, Vancouver, and all the way over in the UK. And we've got some Firecrackers that are humming over in New York or hoping to start a chapter over there as well. Thank you to the core members that really make everything work. And then we're going to do a whole new episode on Tuesdays. Yeah, we don't stop. Because we know that this stuff is important. It gives folks platforms for your voices, for your stories. And thanks to you for taking the time to listen. Because you know what? There's a lot of options out there. And there's a lot of information. So we're really thrilled that you chose us. Let us know what you're working on. Let us know how we can help. Because I always say, we're one better if you're here. I'm Naomi. And we'll see you next time on the Firecracker Department. Bye. Bye.